Want to say your name again? Want to say your name again? My name? Yeah. My name is Sonia Klein. Okay. You could just continue your story. I get the same thing? Just continue. start from where you left off with the oh. Nazis finding you? Well, they asked us to come out from the burning building. And it didn't matter whether, if we don't go, we burn inside. If we go outside, the ghetto was on fire, and we said, well, we, will. we went out, all of us. The first camp we came to was Maidanek. Have you heard of Maidanek? Yes. Yeah? Not too many people did. When we got there, we saw people from our buildings that were taken before. We were the last transport. And uh, we said, perhaps, perhaps we will go to work. We were separated, the women to the left, the men to the right, and my whole family was there, my parents, my little brother, my sister, and myself. Um, we didn't know what happened. The following day, we went out to work in the fields. Now, we didn't know there was a, uh, a guest chamber there. We went out to work and we came across human bones. And then in a couple of days, we saw our father through barbed wire. And we asked where his mother. He said, well, she is in block five, barrack five. Okay. But when we went out and we found human bones, and a couple of days later we asked again, he shook his head. So we knew mother is not here any longer. My mother could have come with us. She was 40, she was young looking, but she wouldn't let go of the hand of my little brother who was 10, so she was sent. Well, we were in Maidanek for four weeks. My sister and I went to the left. You know what? Some siblings survived, but they were separated. They found each other, separated again. My sister and I were never separated for one hour. Wow. That really didn't happen. It's one in, in, I don't know how many, hundreds of thousands. Well, after about three and a half weeks, my father gave us a, I don't remember if it was a watch or a ring, and he said, tomorrow is a transport going out from here. You must be on this transport. What do you mean you must be? Were we human beings that had something to say? We had a woman, Nazi, a Nazi woman. Well, we gave it to her, and we did get on the transport. There were 1,000 young women. Wait, what, what did you give the Nazi woman? Uh, I think it was a watch. I don't think oh, right. it was my Something that he had gotten us, yeah. to give to her to get you out. Uh -huh. That's right. Um, there are about 40,000 people in Maidanek. So only one transport went, went out. Another thing. Only one transport went out with a thousand women. We came to Auschwitz. And uh, we came to Auschwitz. We were sent to not 
see guest chamber because if we were sent to the guest chamber, I'm not sitting here. We were sent to a different part of the camp and uh, took off, they took off our clothes, they shaved our heads, and they tattooed our arms. From that minute on, we were no longer human beings. We were numbers. You know, I say to myself, that's my uh, way of saying, why numbers? They could have been Sonia clients, maybe five, ten, who knows, mm -hmm. in a thousand people. There was only one number that Sonia Klein had, so it was easy. Mm -hmm. If they needed me, there was one number. Everything is to this day is in German. Uh, all the documents. Yeah, all the documents. Mm -hmm. We looked at one another and we didn't recognize one another. Well, the thousand of us were put in rows of five. My sister and I were, I think, in the fourth row of the left. A Nazi officer came by and said, who is the shoemaker here? I raised my hand. Did I raise my hand? No. I don't know if it's my mother or God Almighty or whoever. And I pushed my sister to raise her hand. Was I a shoemaker? I didn't even know what he's talking about. We wound up to work in a, what's called a shoe commando. What was a shoe commando? One thing it was, we walked on the roof, whether it was hot, cold, or freezing, we walked on the roof. What we were doing, we were taking apart the shoes of the victims, the soft leather separated from the hard leather and the nails, and the Germany already then recycled, we didn't hear. Every time I took a pair of shoes into my hands, I knew where they came from, and my heart stopped. Baby shoes, women's shoes, men's shoes, black, white, brown. But you want to live? You do. We were sitting at tables of ten, and um, We adopted another sister. Why? She was sitting and working with us. Because we said, if by any chance we survive, which was the biggest if in my life, I think, uh, we are not going back to where we came from because this is not soil, this is blood. This is not the Auschwitz from today. Today's Auschwitz is a museum. I'm happy that they have at least a little something, but it's not the Auschwitz we came from. Mm -hmm. Well, I can't, I told you 44,000 hours, uh, I don't know how much time I have, but I can't tell you all. But one day, oh, in order to go to work, we were, we were in Birkenau. Now, this is where the barracks were, in Birkenau. Wait, I thought you were in Auschwitz? Birkenau, Auschwitz. Oh, Birkenau, Auschwitz. Auschwitz. Okay. Uh, 
This is where we, this is where the guest chamber was, this is where we, the crematoria was. Auschwitz was the biggest of all the women's camps. And uh, bunk beds, five, ten of us and, and one bunk bed, not even straw or, or a pillow or blanket we're not even talking about. You smelled the blood from the crematoria, I'm sorry to say it, but we did. Uh, did I sleep? No, the first couple of months, no. But a human being cannot live without sleeping for a long time. So we were there almost two years, my sister and I, and eventually we slept. So we adopted this third sister because we said, if, when, when, we should be able, we're not going back to Poland. She had family in Argentina. So she said, if we live, we go to Argentina, to my family. Well, we never did, but we were together the entire time. And um, 1944, October 1944, the Red Cross, oh, my uh, life was not in order, my stories are also back and forth. Uh, the food for the day was a 10-ounce cup of potato soup pills and a piece of bread the size of a hot dog roll, period, for 24 hours. This was the food. If we were able to get enough water, we were lucky. Not always did we get enough water. How we survived is a miracle in itself. How some of us are sane and think and it's also a miracle because a lot of us could not pick up on life. Just couldn't. My brother-in-law was one of them. He was alive. He survived. Existed. Didn't live. Existed. Never knew that. His family is not here, but they never really wanted to know where, how, and what. Mm -hmm. Didn't want to. Mm -hmm. So, want to go to work from Birkenau, we worked in Auschwitz, in the city. It was about three kilometers. Three kilometers how many miles? Two and a half or something like this. Because we worked with shoes, the uh, punishment was to walk, to walk, to work without shoes, on gravel, whether it's hot, freezing, or whatever, because we worked with shoes. So we had to work without shoes. It's beyond, beyond comprehension. 1944, the Red Cross started to intervene, not that the world, people in the world, not the world, people in the world didn't know. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. 44, the Red Cross is coming to Auschwitz. So what do they do, the, the Nazis? 
They made a beautiful, example, small camp in Auschwitz, in the city. Beautiful bunk beds, pillows, blankets, rock hall in Birkenau, used to be outside, freezing or sunburning, sometimes in the nude, because if they didn't count right, we had to stay there until they got the right count. Mm -hmm. And of course, Dr. Mengele, that everybody knows, was always there. If I would have had that little thing here, then I wouldn't be here. He had a quota every day of how many have to be murdered. Hmm? Not killed, murdered. So he would pull out people that he thought were sick? Sick? Sick you didn't even get in mm -hmm. when you were sick. But, you know, you're a human being. Sometimes you get from the sun or something a little, little mark like this. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be here. So we had to deal with Dr. Mengele. When we moved this part, uh, the shoe commando and two other commandos were moved to Auschwitz because the Red Cross was coming. So the roll, uh, the roll call was in the basement, but Dr. Mengele was still there. One day, when we were still in Birkenau, uh, a few of us were taken to the area where they had the cyclones of gas for the gas chamber. And what did we... Well, when they took us, we said goodbye, this is the end of us. What we did is took the cyclones of gas from there to the gas chamber. How did I know that I'm not going in with the cyclone of gas to the gas chamber? Okay? So you, if you lived one minute, you lived a day. In one minute, you lived a day. Because every minute brought something else. So 1944, we are in Auschwitz in this beautiful camp. And the Red Cross came and said, well, that's not all that bad, of course. Um, this is uh, October 44. January 45, the Americans and the Russians were closing in and they got us out from Auschwitz. We were given a skirt. The women did not have the striped uh, pajamas like the men had. We had a little skirt. I have a picture I'm going to show you. Uh, a little sweater and a pair of low boots, like here. Now, the, the little boots, after the death march, froze to my skin, and when I was liberated, they had to cut away the little boots with my skin. Now here I'm sitting and talking to you, right? And I seem to come and collect it, right? Let me tell you something. I'm not coming collecting. It's there all the time, but at this point, it's there. But when I speak about it, I relive it. So why am I doing it? I don't sleep for a few nights. I think about it. Why am I doing it? 
if not we who, and if not now, when? And that's why I'm doing it, as hard as it comes. Because not everybody can bring themselves to. My sister, if you ask her one-on-one -on -one a question, she will answer. Speaking publicly? No. No. So I say, as long as I get the voice, I won't be, I won't be silent. Well, 45, we left Auschwitz. They took us on trains, not cattle trains at that point, because from the ghetto to the camps, we were in cattle trains. The Americans bombed us. They didn't know who was on the train, so they were bombing the trains. We got to Ravensbrück. Have you heard of Ravensbrück? Okay. Ravensbrück was in Germany. Well, there were six million Jews, but there were also six million non-Jews, human beings. Do I care if they were gypsies? Do I care if they were political? No, they were human beings, like we, like everybody is. Mm -hmm. I said, not your color of skin, not your religion, nor your race matters to me personally. What matters to me is you're a decent human being. Mm -hmm. That's all that matters. That's the final analysis. Mm -hmm. Well, we were in Ravensbrück three weeks, no longer organized like they were in Auschwitz. You didn't even get the piece of bread unless you went strong enough to grab it, or the soup, unless we were strong enough to get a little bit. Uh, our adopted sister was able to get a little bit. She wouldn't. She had maybe two cups, but she wouldn't eat it by herself. She shared it with us. And we were sent to another camp in uh, Taucha. That was inside Germany already. They didn't want to accept us because they already were not as organized. So what happens, we were there a couple of weeks and they took us on a death march. We were about, I would say a few hundred on the death march. It was January, end of January. No food and no water. You can, you can be longer without food than without water. If you bend down for a little snow, you got shot. So how did we survive? We marched for about five weeks. How did we survive? How on earth, unless it's God Almighty? How? This is why I say, uh, you can comprehend, but it must be told. If even one out of a thousand picks up something, it, it's something. Um, we were marching for about, I don't know, about five weeks. I still don't know how we lived. And we were liberated. At this point, the Germans that were walking marching us, had enough to, and uh, they knew that this is the end, so they said to us, get out of this pest fest because it's all mine. They were mines then. 
We were liberated by the Americans, my sister and I, and my two sisters and I. They took us into a school and they uh, fed us. Now, they fed us a uh, family style, you know, a ball, they put a ball of mashed potatoes on the table, ball of scrambled eggs or whatever. So a lot of us died because whoever got a hold of the ball of whatever ate everything. Our stomachs were not used to food anymore. Mm. And after, I don't know, about four weeks, four weeks or so, you're free. I have no, I have frozen boots on my skin, mm -hmm. no money, no food. But we are free, in the middle of Germany. Where are we going? What are we doing? You know, I personally say that nothing happens by chance. There's a destiny in life. As we are walking down the streets, we are marching down the streets. A train, a call train, hitting call, stopped right in front of us. We look at the train, and we look at the train. I couldn't even push a fly. Why am I looking at this train that is this side? I don't know. How did we get on this train, the three of us? I don't know. I really don't know. We didn't know where the train is going. We didn't know how long the train will be going. But we got on the train. Again, we were going for about five days, no water, no food. The train stopped at the uh, Austrian-German border. A small town in Germany called Mittenwald. I have a book, I'm going to show you the town. There were 1,000 men liberated there. They were taken there to be killed but they didn't have enough time, so they were liberated there. And the Americans made a displaced persons camp there and uh, took care of them. Now, we are at the station, full of coal from traveling. It was windy, it was cold. Who happens to be at the train station? Not he didn't happen, he was meant to be there. My future brother-in-law was in the camp. Now you tell me that this is not destiny. I mean, what was he doing there that day? He looks at us and he says, who are you? So we told him, oh my God, you didn't eat for so many days, you didn't have water, come I take you to some place to eat. Now he was in the displaced persons camp with the Americans. My husband-to-be, and they adopted a brother, they were three of, two of them, three of them, was taken in by, that's why I say, they are righteous people everywhere, even in Germany, not too many, but they were. An elder couple whose two sons were in the army, not with the Nazis, there were two armies there. And uh, 
she took in the three men. The three men didn't weigh 150 pounds. She gave them a room. She brought a tray with milk and eggs and whatever, knocked on the door, left the train and left. Now, wasn't this, this it? She saved their lives. My husband-to-be happened to be the, out of the house on the street. Knowing my brother-in-law-to-be, he says, who are the girls and where are you taking them? He says, they didn't eat. Oh, well, you are not going to get anything today because everything is closed on Wednesday. In the town was an American battalion stationed. So the three men went to the Americans and they said they won a war. The Americans looked at them and they said, you want to walk? They didn't weigh 150 pounds, all three of them. No, 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 no. You come here, you eat every day. And when you get a little bit of flesh, we will talk work. Well, the American Army, they opened the number 10 can of anything took out two spoons, take it, take it, take it, take it. But don't give it to the German, take it. You could buy the Germans for coffee, all of them. So he had food. He said, you come up, we have food. So we went up and I ate a number 10 can of peanut butter. <laughs> if I'm still alive, it's a miracle. <laughs> I couldn't look at Pinada when I was liberated for no one in the world. And I worked in, in a summer camp with kids who only ate was peanut butter. Well, I got, I got married. There were strangers, three strange, three strange girls, three strange guys. My sister was the youngest. She went with my brother-in-law. Oh, my husband-to-be adopted brother didn't like redheads, and I was a redhead. Mm -hmm. So she, he teamed up with my adopted sister, and my poor husband was left <laughs> with me. No choice. Well, let me say this to you. I got married to a stranger, a total stranger. Why? I needed a pair of shoes, and I needed bread. Now, he wasn't even from the same country. He was from Yugoslavia. I got married. After two weeks, I got married. And how old were you? How old? 20. My sister, 18. Let me say this. If I would ask the one above what I want in a husband, I couldn't pick what I got. I really couldn't. Mm. The nicest, gentlest person I ever knew. He was a people's person. You know, all along in life, some people, I dealt with a lot of people, all along in life, some people could take me, some people could leave me. Not him, whoever crossed his path love. Mm -hmm. He was a very, very special person. Mm -hmm. And, we took it from there. Then, we, well, you don't want all of it. Yeah, you could just, just if you have any final, any final thought. That's it. Okay. We came to the United States. Oh, we were liberated in 
we liberated in April 45. We had to live four years in Germany because we couldn't come to the States. We needed sponsors and we didn't have those sponsors very fast. But we came to the United States in 19, December 49. 